It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beautiful world. America for 300 years has been the land of promise for the rest of the world. The land of new frontiers, new opportunities. Yeah, we can't you to get up. Clicking sounds, sounds that reveal the presence of radioactive rays. The instrument, a Geiger counter, is converting radioactivity into sounds we can hear. My neighbor, won't you please, won't you please, please won't you be my neighbor? Good evening and welcome to Tank Riot. This is episode 67, our tribute to Fred Rogers. With me as always is Victor. Hello. And Tor. Hello. We're doing this podcast tonight for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, Victor, I believe you have the email of the listener. We got an email from one of our listeners, and we wanted to use the suggestion. This is from Chris Myers, and he gave us the suggestion probably as a counterpoint to all the douchebags we've recently been covering. We have covered a lot of douchebags. Right. And the world is full of douchebags, and far too many, uh, far too many for any podcast to cover. Fred Rogers would never be described as a douchebag. That's right. But first, I wanted to discuss a DVD that I watched recently. It was called Sputnik Mania. And no, I, I rented it because I thought it might have been some, you know, homage to my enormous contribution to the podcasting media. Expose. <laughs> but instead, no, it was about the October 1957 launching of the, the Russian satellite and, and the impact that it had on the American culture and psyche. And, I mean, it, it was really amazing stuff. They also had a bonus uh, um, DVD with lots of extras. Oh, my God. All the black and white footage of the huge lapels and people just freaking out. No one more than LBJ. Mm. I mean, he literally just, like, could not sleep at night. And a lot of people couldn't sleep at night because, oh, they're... Which I thought was topical since Iran just launched a satellite, and now we're all freaked about that. And it's like, really... Uh, I guess it's just going to keep going and going and going. But... That beep, yeah. beep, beep, beep. <laughs> that beeping noise that everyone could hear. So it's um, it, it was a very good DVD. It was just a lot of fun to you know see how the Cold War and and you know the Russian. Of course, you know that was all due to the efforts of Korolev, the chief designer, and mm -hmm. um, you know who got. Uh, you know, the first man in space, too. Well, it got it got America on the moon, really. I mean, it's a fascinating story that kind yeah. of, like, lit a, fi a fire under America. To <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's called get getting ahead. a kick in the ass. And yeah. You know, maybe they had better Germans. Well, I don't know. Let's not talk about the poor monkeys and dogs, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, they, they definitely yeah. went into that. They, they, they were like, oh, no, it came back safely. Yeah, my <laughs> ass. But, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. There was no PETA back then. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> no, certainly not. You but, know, I was going to mention, based on your suggestion also, speaking of space, I did uh, look up on the interwebs, as it were, uh, the Agent to the Stars uh, novel. Oh, yes. And I found that that was a novel that he had written in, I think, 1999 and has since written several other other novels. Yes. But this one he made available on the Internet for a small donation. And now he's decided that that for $2 donation, who cares, Read it. Maybe you'll pay for one of my other novels, mm -hmm. and it's all available for free on the web. 
Yeah, he has lots of good, lots of good novels. In fact, I'm reading another one of his right now called uh, Android's Dream. Excellent. Which is really great. I mean, it starts off with um, a trade delegate uh, dealing with uh, an alien race that he hates, and they're very uh, scent sensitive. So he farts. Um, insults in their scent language he definitely has this scent thing with the aliens that he likes i did read agent agent to the stars and i really liked it too it is it is a really good fun book very entertaining and fun and light but yeah yeah, good 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 book he also um is one of the first blog uh blog people he has the whatever blog Mm -hmm. and uh, he wrote a book uh that that pretty much just lists all of his um you know all the more interesting blog entries that he's had and it's called your hate mail will be um graded <laughs> so uh you know that 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 one i definitely want to get i also picked up um make love the bruce campbell way Ooh, and which i must highly recommend excellent well you know that reminds me of like the authors nowadays are taking their novels and reading them as uh podcasts and right. i think of one of my favorite horror slash sci-fi authors Scott Sigler, he does that as well. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this guy was on the forefront back in the day of just putting it out on the Internet as a blog, as it were. Sure. So it's it's pretty cool. I love I love the idea. And then I love going and paying for the actual books when they're on the shelf so that publishers will then sell them. Well, and then I I have to really make note, too, of, you know, the first hundred days of Obama. My God, it hasn't been 100 days. It just feels like forever. Well, it just it does because of the press coverage. Um, Well, uh, okay, he drinks tea. Did you know he drinks tea? I did know that. Yes. Uh, He. um, I think has set the bar so high for ethics and, and, you know, due to the last eight years and everything. Fox News is just sitting there trying to find something wrong. And, you know, with the whole Tom Daschle thing, you know, with Tom stepping down first off. Um, I just marvel at the fact they 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 had um, news clips of Tom when he first came to Washington, and he made a big deal of you know driving some shitbag Nova to work, you know, by himself and everything. Still drives his old family car, just like Mister Rogers in his Oldsmobile, right? That's right. <laughs> Oldsmobile. And I mean, how do you just? First of all, this is just a tax that you're paying, and you just forget that. So God knows how much this guy was paid to be driven around. That's a lot of money in tax, so that's a lot of money. I mean, I don't... Number one, the vetting process really has to be looked at and redone. Number two, my God, it is just a barrel of rotten, fetid apples in Mm -hmm. Washington. So really, are you going to find anyone who doesn't have just... You know, a huge skeleton in their closet somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, not to say that, that he shouldn't have stepped down, but my point is, is that, you know, you're, you, Obama is going to end up like Diogenes running around looking for one honest man. And you know what? You ain't going to find him. You yeah. know, they're all pods on this bus. Right. I mean, it's it's kind of like trying to look for fresh food in a refrigerator that hasn't been plugged in for a week. Oh, my God. Exactly. You know? yeah. Well, you know, like... Uh, Wisconsin's own Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, when uh, neighbors <laughs> yeah. complained of a rotten meat smell, um, they offered him fans. How did we end up there? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's one of Scotty Nation's uh, most celebrated uh, <laughs> dozens. We love our lifetime television specials about Dahmer. Oh, actually, they, he was covered on Most Evil just last yes. weekend. They, it's the 1 to 22 scale of evil, and uh, he, they just did the 22s. Oh, my God. 
What a collection. It gets worse. Yes. You know? Wow. <laughs> I mean, like in Guantanamo, we got a guy whose the biggest crime was he drove Oba uh, Osama around. You know, and these guys are like, you know, eating people, torturing them. Got a whole, mm -hmm. a, a whole van set up just for a torture chamber that they lovingly call the toy box, <laughs> with written instructions on what to do. Now they will plead for their life. Don't listen. Oh. <laughs> you know, somehow I think that you know we can handle this. It's probably okay, but in any case, let us move back to Fred McFeely Rogers. That's right. right. His middle name is McFeely after his maternal uh, grandfather, who had a very big right. uh, Fred Fred McFeely, who had a very big impact on on Fred's early life. Yeah, and it's easy to poke jabs at the whole Mister Rogers thing, you know the oh Mister McFeely and all that. But yeah. when you get down to it, it it's all real. And Mister McFeely, the speedy delivery guy played by yeah. David Newell, you know, is another yeah. great character as well. Right. Yes, yeah. very much so. Well, I mean, he uh, Fred was born in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. That's right, where Rolling Rock beer is made, old number 33. Latrobe. <laughs> and uh, he was Latroban. And um, as I said, his grandfather was Fred McFeely, who um, introduced Fred to his interest in, in puppetry and music, which, you know, he really... And, and Fred was an, uh, he was not an only child, but he was an only child for a long time until his sister came along much later... You know, in his in his life, didn't uh, they have an adopted brother as well? Uh, yes, he, foster child. He was yeah. uh, an African American and uh, named George, and uh, his parents took him in. Mm -hmm. You know, and I mean, this is this is during, you know, the 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 thirties, forties. I mean, it, that was not something that was done very, you know, yeah. very much. That was a yeah. very big step. Um, uh huh. He, uh, I mean, I mean, Fred thought actually thought of George as as, as an older brother, right? And uh, George became an instructor for the Tuskegee Airmen. Not to be confused with yeah. the Tuskegee Institute, the Tuskegee That's Institute, right. and the crimes <laughs> perpetrated in there. But we are uh -huh. not doing douchebag updates. <laughs> Sorry, I, I have a hard time. I, I sometimes I, you know, I watched a five part series on the Wehrmacht recently, and you know, that was hard to get happy after that. <laughs> All I can say is that the Germans seem to be only second to the, the Japanese in terms of filming things that probably should not be filmed. But there's yeah. like miles of color footage of Wehrmacht atrocities that I have never seen before. The and Germans somehow, love to document. This, it seemed like they gave yeah. them a rifle, some ammo, and a movie camera. And said, you know, go out there and <laughs> just do your Nazi thing. <laughs> and somehow seeing it in color gives it this sort of weird immediacy that... I find really disturbing. That didn't happen in the forties. It's color. No, this is what this is just last week. But um, I, I I guess I just want to say this about Fred Rogers is that yeah he's he's been parodied a lot of times because um, what people who when people met him they would almost have invariably the same reaction which was I can't believe this guy really is Mister Rogers. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, he, he's playing himself pretty much. Yeah. And I, I think I mean, I think it'd be fair to say that Victor and I are are pretty confirmed atheists. But I think a, a person like Fred Rogers. I don't care what term you want to use, if you want to use enlightened, centered, very comfortable in his own skin, um, 
he wasn't preachy about his, no. his religious beliefs either. Right. But he, but in fact, he was an ordained Presbyterian minister. Right. right. Which... And he, he always considered working in public television as a ministry rather than a job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and it was a ministry of improving people's lives rather than spreading the gospel of Jesus. That's right. He went to... Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, he went to uh, when he went to college. He got a BA in music composition, mm -hmm. and, and that that really opened the door for him uh, to get his first job in television at with NBC. That's right. Uh, with that that would have been uh, WQED TV out of Pittsburgh. I can still see that logo from watching WQED. He did the Children's Corner. Which was like his first foray, but I mean, even before that, there was a plaque at at his school. That the, the uh, WQED was the public station. Yeah, that was th that he worked at after he had worked at uh, NBC in New York. Yes, he didn't like and... the commercialism of NBC and and all the right. Yeah, all right. the commercial breaks and the selling. He was um, he saw a plaque at his college that that he kept with him. I mean, he he kept the sentiment with him his entire life, which was. Um, Life must be lived in the service of others. And he, you know, he definitely lived that. And so he, when public mm -hmm. television came around, he was one of the first to really say, this is a great medium for kids. That's right. And not just to educate, but to make them feel good about themselves and, and wanting mm -hmm. to learn. And, and I mean, that's, I, I think he's just one of those truly amazing individuals. Right. Honestly. And, and you can also look at him. Uh, when he joined NBC, that was 1951. He is definitely in television on the ground floor. Yes, this is and yeah. and and he's on in public television on the ground floor. He's um, so he's really one of the early innovators in television. From a historical standpoint, he's important in that respect too. Yeah, and he mm -hmm. told a story about how he met a great composer because he wanted to be a songwriter, and he brought a few of his songs to him. I can't remember the name of the the composer and played one or two and 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 the person said well how many more do you have he's like just these and he says come back when you have a barrel full of them yeah and then he kind of decided well i'm gonna go to school and i'm gonna keep working and keep working and he did keep writing songs but he right. he kept you know working on on the television as well and the quote that you always hear about television in the beginning with him was the one where he says i went into television because i hated it so Mm -hmm. Because he felt like it was such a great medium that we really could be doing more with it than yeah, it was yeah. being really misused. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and he was seeing that it was going down a very you know wrong commercial path. Yeah, and he worked on the uh -huh. Gabby Hayes show. Oh, that's hilarious, <laughs> Gabby Hayes. Gabby Hayes. Oh God, I'm gonna go into town and get me some of that soft money. John Wayne's famous sidekick, right? Oh, Gabby Hayes. <laughs> I mean, he beautifully parodied in Blazing Saddles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you written right here. I was glad to hear have the children here to hear an authentic frontier gibberish. <laughs> but in 1954, when he worked at WQED, that's where he worked on the Children's Corner that was hosted by Josie Carey, and he was the off-screen puppeteer and producer and musician. And uh, a lot of his best-known puppets, which he did all the voices for, uh, started way back then, like Daniel the Stripe. Striped Tiger, Meow Meow. Well, I hear they're remaking Friday the 13th, you know, King Friday the 13th. That's the latest Jason remake, isn't it? Right. Oh, no. I don't think so. But, but his name is King Friday the 13th. I King Friday like the 13th, Lady yeah. Elaine Fairchild, and of course, X the Owl. 
I love Daniel and Striped yeah. Tiger. I, I always got to get that meow meow. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Henrietta Pussycat was always the. Was that Henrietta Pussycat that did the meow meow? Oh, cripes. I think so. The thing about Fred Rogers is, is that, you know, he was involved in this mm. so very early. And uh, when when public television kicked off, he and and they were, you know, the Nixon administration, I know this is hard to believe, wanted to cut funding for public television. Nixon! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did not mention him in the worst presence. Well, we sort of we touched him, but we did not really go into it. But he um he testified in front of a Senate committee and it it's it's like really one of those stories of how amazing Mr. Rogers truly was because people would just listen to him. They mean they'd see this quiet spoken guy and they just stop and they listen to him. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can we should we should get to that, I think. That is a very important contribution to public television as a whole. And I actually do have a little audio snippet that we can play of his testimony on behalf of the public broadcasting company that would kind of exemplify his style and, and let everyone know that, mm -hmm. you know, in front of a different camera, in front of a not so impartial <laughs> group of judges, you know, judging his work and judging public television uh, and asking him questions, he really won him over. And you can kind of, I'll only cut halfway through and you can see how he tries to explain the value of public television and his programming mm -hmm. in 1969. He was given about seven minutes or so. He had a 10-minute thing he wanted to read, and then he decided he'd just talk about the thing he wanted, the philosophical ideas that he brought with him, right. and explain why it was important. And then at the end, you can hear the opinion of the, the subcommittee. Mm -hmm. Why don't we just roll that? We can just hear what he said to them. Absolutely. All right. This is what I give. I give an expression of care every day to each child to help him realize that he is unique. I end the program by saying, you've made this day a special day by just your being you. There's no person in the whole world like you, and I like you just the way you are. And I feel that if we in public television can only make it clear that feelings are mentionable and manageable, we will have done a great service for mental health. Uh, I think that it's much more dramatic that two men could be working out their feelings of anger, much more dramatic than showing something of gunfire. I'm constantly concerned about what our children are seeing. And for 15 years, I have tried in this country and Canada to present what I feel is a meaningful expression of care. Do you uh, narrate it? I'm the host, yes. And I do all the puppets, and I write all the music, and I write all the scripts. Well, I'm supposed to be a pretty tough guy, and this is the first time I've had goosebumps for the last two days. <laughs> well, I'm grateful, not only for your goosebumps, but for your interest in, in our kind of communication. Could I tell you the words of one of the songs which I feel is very important? Yes. This has to do with that good feeling of control, which I feel that the children need to know is there. And it starts out, what do you do with the mad that you feel? And that first line came straight from a child. 
I work with children, do, doing puppets in, in very personal communication with small groups. What do you do with the mad that you feel? When you feel so mad you could bite. When the whole wide world seems oh so wrong and nothing you do seems very right. What do you do? Do you punch a bag? Do you pound some clay or some dough? Do you round up friends for a game of tag or see how fast you go? It's great to be able to stop when you've planned a thing that's wrong and be able to do something else instead and think this song. I can stop when I want to, can stop when I wish, can stop, 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 any time. And what a good feeling to feel like this and know that the feeling is really mine. Know that there's something deep inside that helps us become what we can. For a girl can be someday a lady and a boy can be someday a man. I think it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful. Looks like you just earned the $20 million. <laughs> well, you know, I'm glad you had that clip, Victor, because um, the, the chairman of that subcommittee on uh, communications in 1969 was John Pastor, and he was known as being, you know, a pretty tough case. I mean, he was... He was he was tough. He was impatient. He got right to the point. I mean, he he, would, he could make grown men cry. Yeah. And and the fact that he just said, okay, you know, you just earned your twenty million. So the PBS funding jumped from nine to twenty two million in that year, mm -hmm. just based wow. on on Mister Rogers' testimony. And I mean that that's just phenomenal. And we did do some research during the clip. It was Henrietta Pussycat, not Daniel Stapetegger. Right. Stand corrected. <laughs> yep. But, you Henrietta, know, meow, meow, pussy meow, cat, meow, she, meow, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you can go to YouTube and you can watch the entire exchange. It is, I think, about seven minutes long or so, and it is all he really said, and and it is a really heartfelt, you know, discussion of his feelings about how kids are exposed to way too much crazy, weird animation, even at the time, and that this kind of public television costs much less to make and has a much higher impact on children's well-being. Oh, yeah. I mean, so. and, and besides, mm -hmm. one another uh, big testimony that he did that, that really changed things was um, uh, Sony Corp. of America versus Universal City Studios. And this was the whole um, issue in 1979 about home recording, you know, how it violated copyrights and so on. And yeah. um, Mr. Mr. Rogers was definitely in favor of of um, home recording, and this is what he said. Some public stations, as well as commercial stations, program the neighborhood at hours when some children cannot use it. I have always felt that with the advent of all this new technology that allows people to tape the neighborhood off the air, and I'm speaking for the neighborhood because that's what I produce, that they then can become much more active in the programming of their family's television life. Very frankly, I'm opposed to people being pro being programmed by others. My whole approach in broadcasting has always been you are an important person just the way you are. You can make healthy decisions. Maybe I'm going on too long, but I feel that anything that allows a person to be more active in the control of his or her life in a healthy way is important. The Home Recording Rights Coalition later stated that Rogers is one of the most prominent witnesses on this issue. Boom. No problem. Yeah. Right. You can tape it and watch it with your kids. It goes I mean, into the public record. Yeah. 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 
What an amazing exactly. guy. And people just listened to him because he was Mr. Roger. And the DMCA yeah. is working to go around that right now in order yes, to thank you bypass so all our abilities to record anything yes. uh-huh. at our whim. You must watch Heroes now. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but argue. I think his point was not only that it, did that give parents an opportunity to record Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and let their kids watch it at another time, it allowed them to record TV shows that were maybe a little more adult content and then watch it at a later time with their kids. Right. So when the you know scary parts came and everything, they could explain it to the kids and help them understand the show as the you know kids get older and are ready for you know more advanced television. Whereas if you can't record anything, the kids kind of end up just seeing stuff whenever. And well, you, know. you, you can really say without I would I would go this far without Mister Rogers' testimony on the VCR, we would not even have TiVo's today. Oh, I God. mean, that would have no, been stifled and shut that down. That is possible, yeah. Absolutely and right. In an alternate universe, much like the Marvel Universe, has a what if. <laughs> a very uh-huh. big what if. <laughs> where the Watcher would show us if Nixon won and the Watchmen, whatever. <laughs> yeah, we, we would be in a situation where we would not have these kind of choices, which the major corporations don't want us to have anyway. So the neighborhood began in 68 and uh, was taped until December 2000. So for a total of 998 episodes, which is just an incredible run, yeah, and is the long was the longest running program on PBS. It does kind of make you wonder why I didn't just record two more. But. Right. <laughs> well, you know, he did actually leave the show for a while and then came back and yeah. you know taped some more. So <laughs> I always used to love how he'd start the show. His cardigan sweater is actually on display at the Smithsonian Institute. Yeah, one of those them. were all made by one his mother. Yes. Right? Wow. Yes. She yeah. made him like twenty four in total that were right. used in the show or something like that. He'd come for a in, run huh? like that, you'd think he'd work out a few more sweaters, but <laughs> I just always loved how he'd come in, he'd put on his cardigan, he'd put on his slip-on shoes, he'd say hi to Pitcher Pitcher, who could only flash, hi. Yeah, I have to admit, I was tempted to actually bring my tennis shoes to this podcast. Oh, yeah. So I could switch out of my... Your uh, deck shoes? Yeah, into more comfortable shoes. And you know, like, I was raised on a very strict diet of chocolate frosted sugar bombs with sugar on top, mm-hmm. tang, Kool-Aid, and some form of Rice Krispie treat. As was I. <laughs> and I could pretty much fly through vibration, but I could still manage to watch someone as sedate as Mr. Rogers and and feel his you know, honesty and, and his pace was his pace, and I would slow down and, and watch what he was saying. And I, I think yeah. he did a really great job of reaching across the medium to different... You know, kids. I watched that show pretty. Oh, I watched it a lot, and I, I almost Presbyterian like. I, I'm sure I started watching it when pretty soon when it, you know, was, was available in Madison. Now he did a good and, job of doing, you know, his neighborhood where he would come in and put on his tennis shoes, and I think the whole yeah. tennis shoes thing started because when he went backstage to do the puppeteering, they right. were quieter. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't hear the. That you know, pro- yeah, I mean that's that's a good point. I am sure yeah. you're probably right. And. and uh, well, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood started in 1968. Uh, some of the puppets and the parts of the show did build up uh, while he was in Canada doing a uh, a TV show up there. Right. Well, the show wasn't even his idea, really, in the beginning. It was someone yeah. who said, I've seen you work with the kids. Let's put you in front of the camera, not just as a puppeteer. Well, you know, I, I remember seeing on the Biography Channel they had a biography of, of Mr. Rogers. And I have to say that I, I was in tears by the end of it, just because he was such a cool guy. 
he, there there was an episode in the neighborhood where he was like I think the first to have um a, a child in a wheelchair. And you oh, could that's right. y- yes. And you could tell that there was like just this great bond um with with this boy and during his lifetime achievement award uh presentation um the the boy you know who's now a man in in and comes out and did the um, the intro for his Lifetime Achievement Award. And what was amazing is, like, mm-hmm. here were all these high-powered people, you know, all in tuxedos and gowns and everything. Fred Rogers sees this guy he hasn't seen in a long time, totally didn't care that he was on camera or anything else. He just ran up to him to say hi to him. It was just one of those yeah. Fred Rogers moments, you uh-huh. know? Here's another great Fred Rogers story. Is he, went, he went to an executive's house for dinner, one night to meet the executive's kids and the driver was just of the limo that picked him up and drove him there was going to sit outside and Mr. Rogers heard about that talking to him and said well you should come in and have dinner with us too you can't just sit in the car all night and had him come in and join the executive for dinner Mm -hmm. and I guess the executive didn't really think that was so great but let it happen because he's Mr. Rogers Uh and then on the way home uh, he asked the limo driver, he didn't sit in back, he sat up front with the limo driver, and he asked the limo driver where he lived, and he said, well, I live over here. And he's like, is that on the way? Can we Let's swing by your house and say hi to your family. And so he went to his house and, and talked to his family, met his kids and hung out, and the driver, I wish I could remember the names, but had said it was just one of the best evenings of his life, that he would even oh. invite him in for dinner and then stop by and meet his own family, but... Apparently he was like that with everyone he met, just very, you know, engaged and interested and well, upbeat. I be I saw I, I work with um some of the people at uh, our local uh PBS station WHA TV and uh the director wow. had a picture of, of Mr. Rogers in his office autographed. And, you know, of course I, you know, commented on it and he told me the story of it that they had Fred Rogers there in the studio here in, in Madison. Oh yeah. And um, they were doing some taping of the show. And then he said, well, it's time for lunch. And, you know, everyone's getting on their coats thinking, oh, we're, you know, going to go out and take Fred Rogers to lunch or whatever. No, he just pulled out a bag lunch and just sat down at the table, started eating his lunch and had a glass of milk and everything. And 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 then the director wow. said the same thing. It's like, yeah, this guy really is just who he you know looks like. And which I just and then he sent him wow. this without any prompting or anything, sent this autographed, you know, picture to him and everything. And I just thought, how cool was that? Nice. You know? Yeah. I, well, gen- I would genuflected under that picture for several, <laughs> several minutes. As long as we're on the Mr. Rogers anecdote train, uh, Chris, one of the reasons he wanted us to talk about Mr. Rogers was to talk about, and let me, let me find his quote. The, um, story about robbers who stole Mr. Rogers' car and then returned it. Well, here's the thing. I think that story, here's the story. He's driving his Oldsmobile or Impala to the television workshop and he parked it outside. It got stolen. Why someone would want to steal an Impala or an Oldsmobile, I don't know. And then they found some scripts that he wasn't using in the back and then realized it was Mr. Rogers' car, so they returned it to him. And then, uh, yeah, because you don't steal Mr. Rogers' car. You don't steal car. from Mr. Rogers. No, they, it was apparently some papers and some props. You yes. can only think that it was like you know, like King Friday or X yeah. or something. Sitting back. Yeah. So, so 
I'm looking into this and I'm thinking, well, that sounds interesting. It's referenced in TV Guide in like the year 2000. And, and there's other articles that talk about this as hearsay. And the pinpoint of this whole discussion of this, this story, the only place I can find it, and I was at the Wisconsin State Historical Archives today <laughs> before this podcast. And there's a Wall Street Journal article that dates from March 2nd, 1990. And it's the article by Peter Pay, uh, and it's mainly all about how kids are still watching Mr. Rogers, even though he's old, <laughs> right? Uh -huh. and, th and that's it, basically. And there's one uh, quote in the article. This is page A1 of the March 2nd, 1990 Wall Street Journal, and it says, Children aren't the only ones with a soft spot for Mr. Rogers. Two weeks ago, his Oldsmobile sedan was stolen while he was babysitting for his grandson. After looking over papers and props he had left in the car, the thieves apparently realized he was the owner. Mr. Rogers found the car parked in front of his house a day or so later. All that was missing was a director's chair with his name on it. Yeah. Yeah. The thieves think, uh, I kind of yeah. need a souvenir. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. You you, you got to tell the story. You got to have the chair. And then there's, yeah. then there's anecdotal stories that even Fred Rogers himself has said this or referenced this, but I can't find any other proof of this at all. So I'm really going to have to say that I think this one is unsubstantiated, that this may or may not have actually happened. Well, you, know, you think of it, though, Mr. Rogers, the guy steals his car and gives it back. He might have not made any kind of big deal He probably didn't it. even call the police. He's like, I know. Yeah, he'd, oh, he'd, be, yeah. he'd be that kind of guy. Well, I'm okay with letting that one slide, but I really don't think there's a bottom to it. Well, there's a lot of weird urban uh, myths about Mr. Rogers. A lot. Yes. Like he was okay. a Marine sniper. Well, and... they like to do that one about anyone who's pure of heart. Yeah, yeah. it's got to be, you know. <laughs> and the, the, the Marine sniper thing is totally false. He, yeah. he wasn't even in the military. They right? did that about it, someone else, too. I, I can't remember who, but uh, that Marine John sniper. Denver. Oh, John Denver. And uh, Yes, I can yeah. really see him as a Marine sniper. Yeah, we, code name we, Sunshine. Yeah, right. uh, GI Joe. <laughs> and there's, yeah, there's a lot of myths you might hear Karate about Mr. Rogers, uh, <laughs> such as uh, you know, there's like emails going around saying that he's a, a convicted child molester. Again, false. Yeah, and of big course, time it's false. it's the McFeely name, but that's that's a real name. It's not. That's right. Just, yeah, right. Yeah, that's well, not he, a name he was given because he's some kind of you weirdo. Know, you he, also find totally really false. fun soundboards on the web that point out things he said that could be taken out of context, like this. How about some make believe about musical instruments and hose? Or this. Have you by any chance lost your kitty? Right. And. Uh, <laughs> You know, we can play those all day, but, you know, really, he was always just talking about wholesome, pleasant things for kids. The other one I really do love, though, is Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood on oh, Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Eddie Murphy. I mean, that that was a great satire. He was asked about Eddie Murphy's satire of of Mr. Uh, Robinson's Mr. Neighborhood. Yeah, Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood um, on NPR uh, about, I don't know, three, four years before he died. and And they were asking him as if it were stock, if he would buy, sell, or hold these different uh, parodies. And he was asked about Eddie Murphy, and he said, you know, would you buy, sell, or hold Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood? And he said, buy. <laughs> and yeah. they said, well, why would, why? He said, well, when I met Eddie Murphy, he came up to me, and he gave me a big, giant hug and said, the real Mr. Rogers. Wow. And And he said, I think he was coming at that from a great point of love, you know, and respect. And he just had this 
wow, he really. I think that's probably dug. true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I God knows, I used to laugh my ass off when that. When I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. This is how we into the door in our neighborhood, kid. Who is <laughs> it? Uh huh. Because. <laughs> Requires Mr. Landlord. <laughs> oh my well. God! He's playing the drums, and then, then Mr. T comes through the door. Robinson. <laughs> that was, yeah, I can't. You can't find sound bits on that on the internet because man, those Saturday Night Live, oh. NBC, they hoard that like gold. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. yes, they do. <laughs> Because it, it's not very often that Saturday Night Live comes up with a really good gig. Yeah, you got to hold on to those tight. <laughs> when yeah. you get them, yeah. The Bassomatic. But I think, uh, well, you know, I did, there is uh, a mention that uh, Mr. Rogers was only not on the neighborhood in one case, and that's where he played um, a preacher on Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Yes. And I actually saw that episode. Wow. Oh, yeah. And it's it's weird. It's really weird because... He's Mr. Rogers, but he's not, you yeah. know, and yeah, that's the first time he wasn't actually playing himself. Right. And he really he said he really liked the show and he wanted to do it. And so he did. And that was the only non. And it was just one episode. Just one episode. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to delve into a giant debate about whether or not it's a good show. But another show that Mr. Rogers has appeared on is Arthur. Is oh, that yeah? right? Yes, he played himself <laughs> on an episode of Arthur, or maybe even two episodes of Arthur. Was he uh, an Aardvark too? Or well, no, he was Mister Rogers. <laughs> oh, cool! Yeah. yeah, and and he looked kind of like some kind of anthropomorphic animal type being. Was oh, he, was oh, he cartoonized? Oh, okay. so, yeah, well, was... he had to be cartoonized. Yeah, it was okay. in the cartoon yeah. he appeared. All right. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. And he actually, it was one cartoon that he didn't uh, not approve of. So you got your oh, okay. Mr. Rogers seal of approval. Medicine All woman. Right. There Arthur. you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, One other myth that uh, is going around that, that we should dispel is that after he filmed his last show, uh, he f- flipped the bird to all the kids in the audience. <laughs> yeah. And that is, in fact, false. Someone photoshopped a photo on the internet. And yeah, sent like Mr. It around. Rogers yeah. would flip off the kids, right. you know? Yeah. Well, he, like, so. I think it's funny to see pictures of the Sesame Street gang as if they were a gang with knives in their that, hands. That is and true, stuff. too. Yeah. It's always kind of funny, but yeah. you can't take that seriously. Right. Yeah. It, right. It's, yeah. Not everything on the internet is true. Really? Yeah. Well, he, um, <laughs> I read that on Wikipedia. <laughs> he actually got Burger, Burger King, did a, um, uh, kind of a parody uh, to sell fast food. It was like Mr. Rodney. And uh, he didn't sue him or anything. He just did a press conference. He said, I, you know, I'm not endorsing this, and I, I don't endorse fast food to kids. Burger King backed down big time and said, we're sorry we did that. Although Mr. Mm-hmm. Rogers did sue the KKK, the Ku Klux Klan. Really? That peculiar Southern fraternity <laughs> that uh, they were using these very racist um, telephone you know, automated call-ups that were, you know, done in kind of a Mr. Rogers way. And he said, no. And they stopped. The clan stopped. Wow. You know, that's amazing. I think another one, too, is is um, in the during the 1997 Daytime Emmy Awards, um, he got a, he got, a, a, you know, obviously an award for the neighborhood. And when he went up on stage, he said, um, all of us have special ones who have loved us into being. Would you just take along with me 10 seconds to think of the people who have helped you become who you are? 
10 seconds of silence. And then he lifted his wrist, looked at the audience, looked at his watch and said, I'll watch the time. There was at first a small whoop from the crowd, a giddy strangled hiccup of laughter. As people realized that he wasn't kidding, that Mr. Rogers was not some convenient eunuch, but rather a man, an authority figure, who actually expected them to do what he asked, and so they did. One seconds, two seconds, seven seconds, and now the jaws clenched, the bosoms heaved, and the mascara ran, and the tears fell upon the beglittered gathering like rain leaking down a crystal chandelier, and Mr. Rogers finally looked up from his watch and said softly, May God be with you. <laughs> I mean, that's just the kind of guy he wants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We should have totally sent him to the Middle East. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no kidding. He met George Bush when George Bush gave him the Medal of Freedom. I wish he could have talked to him a little more, (laughs) maybe spent a little time in the Oval Office. Could have been a good thing. (laughs) But I I think uh, some of the... The, the things that Fred Rogers did later in his life, not necessarily in the in the neighborhood for the neighborhood, but um, he did uh, a program explaining death to children, which was very interesting because it's a very complex, very emotional subject. Didn't his goldfish die or something at that one? No, it was it was like a character in the neighborhood that mm. that died, and it was it was actually very emotional, but. He just came on and made it all seem like no, this is fine. You're gonna get through this. He also, you know, he also did during the the time of the. This is the one week of shows I believe that isn't re-aired. Most of them, and and we can get to this, but it has since stopped in syndication. They've moved mm-hmm. it to a weekend on some crazy bunny rabbit digital TV station right. of the three that you can get. Mm. And some there's a big there's a big movement to get him back on the air again because oh, yeah. they've decided to replace him with. Sid the Science Kid. I mean, give me a break. Yeah, please. You don't even have Bill Nye the Science Guy on anymore. Bill Nye rocks. Yeah, don't yeah. don't get Sid the Science Kid in there, all crazy bouncing around. Anyway, <sighs> breathe. He <laughs> during the day after. Remember that film, the day after. Yes. I was I was totaled by this film. It was filmed in Lawrence, yeah. Kansas. I've looked into it. I've seen it a couple times. Right. Just a devastating mm-hmm. film that I saw when I was quite young, and he did a series to help kids understand war and and getting mm-hmm. over your feelings of of anger and and things uh and that one they don't replay anymore right uh but it was all about when you got to the land of make-believe king friday believed they were building a bomb in southwood town or whatever that other right. town was called <laughs> shelbyville <Wow>. shelbyville <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they had they he had everybody get to work building uh, bombs in in King Friday's area, right? And then they found out what they were building there was a bridge to the land of make believe. Oh man! Yeah. And then and then they at the end on the Friday they turned the bombs into record player needles and you know oh, you know so it was cool. a whole it was a whole theme about peace and understanding. You know that wow. that that movie the day after was actually based on a British production called Threads. Yeah, which I saw. Like two weeks after, the day after, like just devastated me. Oh, threads! Oh my God, kicked me in the nutsack. I mean, there it is. Really, the British have a way of saying it's like, you know what? There ain't no coming back from this, and don't try to make it pretty. <laughs> you know the song by the Beatles, uh, "The Close Your Eyes and I'll Kiss You Tomorrow, I'll Miss You." Mm-hmm. That song was featured in the day after. I every time I hear that song, I only think of that. Oh God, a brutal, brutal film that absolutely no one should have to see again. No. <laughs> Fred Rogers also did a um a, a a a show after the first Gulf War. Mm-hmm. You know, explaining war yeah. to children. Also, I believe um after 9/11. Right. 
you know, hmm. because and, and the government yeah. actually approached him to do these because, you know, it's very traumatic. Yeah. And he, I believe PBS reran the the first Gulf War show, you know, after for, for the second the, Gulf War. Yeah, for, yeah, something. Yeah. But yeah, let's go but... way back. Like, so back in 1968, when he's starting this Mr. Rogers neighborhood, uh-huh. he would have guests come in. He would have people come in and talk about the things they were working on. And he would have the videos play of, you know, how marbles are made, how this is made, where right. this comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was part of the whole VCR thing as well later on was, you know, showing people on his video screen something and mm-hmm. and at his will, you know, when he wanted to show them. But one of his first guests was uh, Bruce Hack. Mm-hmm. And Bruce Hack is one of my favorite electronic artists because he's just crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we could do a whole episode about Bruce Hack, but I wanted to mention it because um, he came on the show and played uh, some of his electronic music with Mr. Rogers. And just as a little taste, I thought I'd like slip in a little. Uh, of that Bruce Hack oh, please interaction. Do. We could yeah. listen to a little of that. And then maybe right after that, I'll play just a little bit of one of his songs off of his 1968 album, um, the Way Out album for kids. This was 1968, and Bruce had done all kinds of experimental music and drugs. Okay, then. <laughs> so, wow. So the guy is, uh, there's a documentary on him called The King of Techno. And if you get a chance to see okay. it, it really helps you understand why Bruce Hack is such a touchstone for what people are in the modern age. You go from people like, you know, Leon Theremin to Bruce Hack, you can see where they're going to go. Mm-hmm. He's the And and it should be noted that Fred Rogers, he had a degree in music and he never pulled back on the music for the kids. He didn't simplify the music for kids, anything like that. He would have, you know, jazz musicians, professionals playing Right. High quality music, of course. It's you know kind of more happy go lucky songs about feelings and stuff. But no, John Costa but, did yeah, all the music really... until he died in '96, yeah. and and he would play it live in the studio for most of the episodes. He was a yeah. jazz pianist, and all that piano playing you hear is usually live every time. Wow. It's not canned introduction to Mister Rogers' yeah. canned outro. He would play along live. He would sing along live. He would play the trolley music live. I did not know that. Yeah, and then he died, and yeah. then um, what is his name? Mike, what is it? M- M- Morick. Something. He took over and kind of did the same. Uh, yeah. And and most of them original uh, Fred Rogers songs. He wrote over two hundred songs. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Now I I was you know really into Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood when I was a kid, and my parents or somebody bought me the album "Let's Be Together" by Mr. Rogers. Songs and thoughts on growing for children and their families. That that does have uh, as a music director John Costa, but the recording engineer was Glenn Campbell. And That's funny. I don't know for sure if it's the country western Glenn Campbell or not, but it very well could be. I was and, uh, a lineman for the county, <laughs> which is interesting because <laughs> when I was a young child, I was a huge Glenn Campbell fan. I was too. I watched yeah. the Glenn Campbell Hour. I went to see him in concert in no the Astro Dome. Sweet. Yes. But uh, anyway, this is a fun album. I just listened to it uh, tonight before the show, and uh, it, it was it's very scratched from my old Fisher Price turntable. But uh, not the best needles on those. No, no, yeah. more of uh, record erasers than players. But <laughs> it was a you know what? Attack. Even despite the scratches, the music really came through. Just the 
the piano playing and everything. It 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 really worked, and I was surprised. It made me feel good about myself. I mean, it well, it it just comes through. That that's the thing about Fred sure. Rogers is he makes you feel good about yourself. So that was cool. That you is know? very cool. Well, yeah. let's listen to him talk to one of my heroes, Bruce Hack. Yeah, let's All do right, that. Let's, let's do. Put your hand up and down and do things with light. I can change with these switches. <laughs> and you use this for your dance class. We do, Mr. Rogers, but we use it in a different way, though. I'll clap my hands and this computer will go on like this. It's warming up. It surely is. I think it's starting to make music. Oh, oh, I bet the children love this. They do. We. A motorcycle has two wheels and handlebars to steer it. It's fun to drive, and when you drive, everyone can hear it. Yeah. Now, let's start the motorcycle by lifting our right foot high in the air and bringing it down to the floor with a stomp. Do this a few times, cat, until your motorcycle starts. So that's Bruce Hack. I just want to play a little oh, bit of it. Oh, absolutely. That was, that <laughs> that was, was good. cool. So th- that, that last bit was... Uh, one of his songs. It was not, the beginning not, of one of his songs. Not what he played on uh, Mr. Right. Rogers. No, they just goofed around with his theremin. Now, do, do you know what year um, he, he did that on Mr. Rogers? I think it was 1968. Oh, really? It was really so, early. Really early. So really early. Mr. Rogers is totally hip into this stuff. Totally hip. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, people in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, you talk about um, Mr. McFeely. And, you know, David Newell's been around the neighborhood for 40 years now. Right. And he's now been, there was a a young cinematographer, cameraman guy, college student, basically, Mm -hmm. who saw him in a mall or something and said, you're, you're Mr. McFeely. And he said, yes, I am for 40 years now. And he decided to follow him around. They, They kind of start up a friendship, really. And he gave him a tour of the family communications, which he has been one of the, continuers of they still have a website this is mr rogers uh production company that still talks about his legacy and and things that he's done and uh he gave him a call one day said hey you want to give a tour and he said sure and he gave him a tour and then he said i'm going to go on a little tour of the area to help promote mr rogers neighborhood because they're replacing us with sid the science i know that makes me anyway and so he followed him around with a camera and filmed a lot of his little adventures as Mr. McFeely doing a little tour of uh, the neighborhood, basically. Mm-hmm. And it turned into a documentary film, and it is now uh, – it might show up on some film circuits, but it's definitely going to um, air on PBS stations. It's called Speedy Delivery. And oh. the PBS version is 
like an hour long, but the film itself is an hour and a half long. And you, you get to know Mr. McFeely, David Newell a lot more. Um, so I just wanted to mention that because the it's timing's pretty good. Actually, mm-hmm. right now we're approaching the 41st anniversary of Mr. Rogers neighborhood because it started yeah. airing, I believe in on February 19th of 1968. Yeah. So, so, so well, wow. summer around, it was 68 yeah. anyway. So we're a year late on the 40th anniversary. Well, you know, these things happen. Yeah. But there are a couple great characters in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood that we haven't talked about at all. Right. Uh, like Neighbor Aber, <laughs> played by Chuck Aber in, in The Land of Make-Believe. Like when you talk about The Land of Make-Believe, he always made a good distinction of reality and where he would go to someone's music shop and, and then he'd sit down and then he'd talk yeah. about issues that are going on in The Land of Make-Believe and then the trolley would take you to the land of make believe. Right, right. And how cool is that to have a trolley going right through your living room? Yeah, it was I mean, a very cool trolley. And yeah. you know who one of the first people was who ran the trolley? Mm-hmm. Michael Keaton. Wow. wow. Michael Keaton got his start <laughs> running the trolley cool. for the land of make believe. Oh, very cool. And he's Batman, man. That's right. You Not the yeah. F-bomb dropping Batman that we know and no. love today, but the Michael Keaton Batman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I couldn't I couldn't resist. I had to go on. Uh, oh, I just listened to it for fun. You know, the uh, TMZ and, and watch the whole Christian Bale meltdown. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's like people who play superheroes, you know, in, in L.A., there's a guy dressed up like Batman who does the the bail rant. He just comes running oh, up yeah. to people and says, yeah. Here's my shot! <laughs> when I'm grimacing! We're done here. <laughs> Stephen Colbert did it to Steve Martin, and that was pretty funny, Always too. hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I wanted to mention yeah. Neighbor Aber. Neighbor Aber is in uh, Creepshow as well. And he plays uh, one of the characters in the... Sh- in, remember the Creepshow Stephen King adaptation? Sure. He's in The Crate. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. With Fluffy, the neighbor, <laughs> the animal in the crate. Uh, but he also was in Silence of the Lambs. He played an agent in Silence of the Lambs. And then, you know, everyone's favorite lady, Aberlin. Fred Rogers did pass away in, uh, well, actually, we're coming up on, yeah, February 27th of 2003. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, he wasn't, he was retired um, less than, and in less than a month, he would have been 75. He had stomach cancer, and um, you know he. There was this huge outpouring. Uh, there was over twenty seven hundred people that went to his funeral. You know, wow. so you can only imagine what that must have been like. In fact, Michael Keaton hosted a PBS special called "Mr. Rogers, America's Favorite Neighbor." Mm-hmm. Which I think is kind of fitting since he was like one of the early trolley drivers. You know, and the guy yeah. never he never smoked or drank. He got up at the. No crack a dawn 4 30 or whatever and would go swimming every day and then you know pray and and then get to work later you know he i think dennis leary said yeah. it best when he goes you know people like janice joplin Jimi hendrix they die at this young age you don't know what they could have done or you know could have become he said assholes like motley crew can go into a warehouse full of crack and come out just fine <laughs> you know there is no yeah. justice to it there really is yeah none. yeah Statistically speaking, the uh, you know the healthy people probably do live longer. Oh, yes, definitely. But there's so many exceptions going every which that's way. Like, yeah, yeah, cancer is in your genes. There's nothing much you can do. But about they that. they yeah. also say that he al- he always loved to weigh about one forty three. 
mm-hmm. because the number 143 were the same digits as I love you. Yeah. So one for I, four for love, you too. for three. <laughs> yeah. And he was always happy to stay exactly that. He is yeah. definitely one of those type of Christians that I can deal with. But the reason I mispronounced yeah. Lady Aberlin or, yeah, Aberlin, I'm probably mm-hmm. mispronouncing it now, is uh, she's appeared in two Kevin Smith films. And I love Kevin Smith. And she, she had her play a nun in Dogma and a teacher in Jersey Girl. Oh, wow. So, I mean, I think that's kind of cool. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And for the nerd audience, Jonathan Colton's also written a song about her. Oh, very About cool. her muumuu, because he always had her wear a muumuu, mm-hmm. because <laughs> she wasn't supposed to be all sexy and hot. She was supposed to be motherly and oh. teacherly. And... Um, I, I thought it was interesting that... Uh, in in eighty one, Mister Rogers appeared on Sesame Street, and then Big Bird did a, a spot on the neighborhood. And in eighty seven, uh, um, he did a a show in the Soviet Union at a oh, children's yeah? show, and then they had the host in the Soviet Union on on the neighborhood. So you know, Fred was into detente wow. long before. That's cool. You know, it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I was I. You know, watch this a lot as a kid, and uh, uh, there's a lot of fun characters. Uh, Bob Tro, he played. I liked Bob Tro. He yeah. played uh, Bob Dog. Bob Dog. And well, he's uh, also Bob Troll, right? And he was also a uh, Bob Troll. Yes. Bob, Bob Troll always talk like a little weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's doing some jibber jabber all the time. Like Bob and then, Dog was silly, but Bob Troll was just weird. <laughs> When Bob Troll would say something, it would take you a while to figure it out. <laughs> and Rob, Bob Troll would also play himself, and um, he, he was uh, he had a workshop, kind of a woodworker kind of guy. That's right. Um, and you know, Mister Roger would go and talk to him about that, which really interests me because I like you know making things like that. And uh, but Bob Troll also made most of the uh, land of make believe set. Right. So he was the carpenter that oh, did most of that stuff. He had he cool. had quite a career as a as a comedy guy too, even before he got involved with Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. So he was really well accomplished. I think he died in like nineteen ninety five or something like that. Uh, ninety eight, November second, nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, yeah. So he was a good guy. You know, another carpenter yep. on the show <laughs> was David. No, Keith David, um, who uh, was one of the Southwood. Members, uh, the, not the, in the kingdom. Not in the kingdom, that evil annex. But, oh. you know, Keith Keith David also was Childs in The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing. So, really? so when The Thing gets down to... Oh, my God. When The Thing gets down to, uh, you know, our man and yours... Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Uh, Childs is the only other guy left, basically. Oh, sure. Oh, my God. <laughs> so at the end, and, and then he went on after this to go on to do voice acting for, like, Spawn and, and <laughs> Gargoyles. You remember that animated I show? I loved that show. And then he's also uh, Arbiter in Halo 2 and Halo 3. So he's gone oh. on to be a voice actor. Never missed an episode of it. I thought it was totally cool. I think it had, like, all the voice actors were... Uh, actors from Star Trek Next Generation. Oh, speaking of which, Super Bowl. Did you see some of the some of the movie previews? Holy Ned. Okay, is that Holy Ned good or bad? Which Will Ferrell, Land of the Lost. I'm oh, there. Yes, I'm there. Yes. I'm there. <laughs> totally I, mean, there. I saw Chaka. Totally I saw the Slee Stack. I'm, the yeah, I'm yeah. just on that. I'm there. 
you know, and then of course they did, you know, the Star Trek thing, and and I, that just made me sad. But <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I yeah, yeah. okay. But, what else did they know. unleash? There was there was a couple of uh, real teasers, but mm-hmm. I mean, the Land of the Lost really stood out for oh, me with with real Pharaoh. He has to play the dad, yeah. I assume. I mean, is he like yeah? Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, oh God! Is, if I stay really still, is he is he still there? <laughs> yeah, that was excellent. <laughs> yeah, but I was also pleased uh, with the result. You know, hey Kurt Warner, where's your God now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did Jesus do this too, Kurt? I think Jesus was on the toilet while you were playing that game. Maybe you should have prayed to him earlier and told him you were playing a football game. Favorite commercial, the the Grease Monkeys for Castro Oil. I just, I love that one. Strange days indeed, my friend. (laughs) Oh, um, You you know, another fun character on Mr. Rogers is uh, Handyman Negri. Oh, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, you love the handyman. Oh, I, totally. <laughs> there was quite a few of them. You probably like the village people tour. Uh, what about I okay? There was also too. there was yeah. also Chef Brockett. Yes. Now and I like my pastries, so that <laughs> you was, like your that pastries was... <laughs> as well. He went on. He went on to be uh, in Day of the Dead. Oh, uh, my favorite. Oh gosh, I'm gonna get her name wrong too. I think it's Linda Cardiel. Uh, the the lead of Day of the Dead. Uh-huh. If I'm getting your name wrong, don't email me. I'm aware, <laughs> but I love that film, and a lot of people just hate it. There will be people, on but the I do love it. He hour. played a zombie. He was a zombie in that oh. one, and then he was also in the remake of Night of the Living Dead as a zombie. Oh. So he's got this zombie thing going. He's a zombie chef. Sure. And then oh. he, he he's also a friendly psycho in a cell in Silence of the Lambs. Really? really? Yeah, yeah. Not to mention little bit parts in like Flashdance and Bob Roberts. So, you know, oh. he still did Bob some Bob Roberts. That was a good yeah, movie. Bob Roberts was a that good movie. That one flavor. never gets the credit it deserves, no, it doesn't. quite honestly. It doesn't. Well, it's, it's just kind of ooky. And even now, that'd be a weird film, I think, to revisit. Yeah, I guess it kind of yeah. would. <laughs> <laughs> but he, you know, Fred did the voices for some of the most memorable characters. Oh, yeah. Uh, like King uh, Friday. King and Friday did, didn't and, he do uh, like pretty much all the? Well, I mean, not quite all, but not quite all. Well, no, uh, not all of them, but I mean, ex- well, like Lady Elaine Fairchild, it was somebody else, but yeah. yeah. As a kid, I always liked to see what she was up to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lady Elaine no, Fairchild. I, I started watching it so early that um, I, th- I believe when I started watching it, all, all the pillars on her rotating house were all the same color. And oh. then later in episode, they had an episode where she got them all painted different colors. Oh, very nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm not sure, but I think originally the trolley didn't even have a whistle. And there was an episode where they put the whistle in the trolley. Yeah, they have oh. since taken all the I early so. episodes out of syndication because they're black and white mainly, and then they're really dated. So mm-hmm. they're trying to, whatever gets seen now is in the later series where it's actually in color and a, a yeah. little less dated. I don't remember the black and white myself, so I may not have seen the first season or I two. Don't, but... Yeah, I don't honestly remember black and white either. Yeah. I mean, it, it always seemed like it was in color to as far back as I can remember. Yeah. I mean, you know, picture, picture always just flashed high, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was a blue picture. Uh-huh. <laughs> I picture, picture. <laughs> but, it, you know, it came out in 68, but really the show grabs well, it's kind of the look of the 60s but mainly it's kind of how i remember the 70s yeah and and it doesn't matter when you see it it always kind of looks like the 70s to me anyway wow so 
whenever I see it on TV, I kind of look at you know what what's the copyright date from? It'll be like 1984, but but it doesn't say that. It, it always says it, MCM XL ZY V4. Well, yeah, I, sure. Yeah, well, I I'm got, good at my Roman numerals, man. I can read I, those. In a I, yeah, I read them. Are so you, yeah. I thought it was third, you know, 38th Super Bowl. I don't know <laughs> Roman numerals. Well, what I is do, this? at least they don't do the score that way. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I wish they did. Then people would know. Like, I'm too drunk. I can't tell who's winning. Yeah. <laughs> I do have one last uh, Mr. Rogers anecdote. Um, I remember reading in TV Guide, and this is, you know, for all fans of Love Boat, um, you know, your cruise director, Lauren Tweez. Gopher. No, no not Gopher. I'm just... <laughs> he was Herman the German in I... Death Race 2000, <laughs> or, which I loved. But You haven't seen Death Race yet, have you? I have. Ooh, okay. Um, it's okay. Yeah. You know. It's Jason Statham. Come on. Yeah. That's true. But Lauren Tweez uh, had a bit of a, a cocaine problem. And apparently she was doing just mountains of coke, like Scarface mountains of coke. And at one point she was, you know, filming The Love Boat and, you know, all the people on the deck chairs and the promenade deck look like corpses. And she just, like, had a meltdown. So, like, right during filming, she goes into her trailer, barricades herself in. They're trying to talk her out, trying to talk her out. She's just freaking out inside. Probably doing more mountains of coke. And then she has a TV. She turns on the TV and Mr. Rogers comes on. And she said that the thing that made her come out of the trailer and go into rehab was Mr. Rogers saying, I like you just the way you are. High as hell on Mount High as hell. Oh. <laughs> just a rock bottom. <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> You always Stay have a there. friend in Mr. I like Rogers. You. Just the way you are. <laughs> Just the way you are. I don't know. But Maybe you got to come out of the trailer, yeah. Lauren. But come out of the trailer. <laughs> so if you have some Mr. Rogers anecdotes or stories or just, you know, what you think about the show or what have you, please let us know at feedback at dankriot.com. Thor, final thoughts? I always kind of liked the rocking chair factory too. That was cool. Yeah, but uh, it, yeah, it, you know, Mister Rogers was a big part of my life because it was one of the kids' shows that either came on before or after Sesame Street, which in and of itself is a totally other episode we can talk about someday. But Sesame Street, yeah, Sesame yeah. Street is like one of my favorites too. Yeah, I'm a huge Grover man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> fuck Elmo. That's right. You heard it here. Fuck <laughs> Elmo. <laughs> tickle me Elmo. Yeah, tickle this Elmo. <laughs> but uh in honor of Mr. Yeah. Rogers, I think I'm gonna go see Coraline this weekend and watch myself some puppetry. Ooh. On the big screen. Puppetry. Wow. I like the puppetry. I do enjoy puppetry. And yep. I don't think we need an outro. I think we should all listen to Mr. Rogers goodbye. All right. Sounds good. good. Fair. This has been episode 67. Uh, check out uh, all the Tank Riot info and other shows at tankriot.com. And uh, send an email to feedback at tankriot.com. Don't let it get dusty where you are. Good night, yeah. neighbor. You know, it happens so often. I walk down the street and someone 20 or 30 or 40 years old will come up to me and say, you are Mr. Rogers, aren't you? And then they tell me about growing up with the neighborhood and how they're passing on to the children they know what they found to be important in our television work. 
like expressing their feelings through music and art and dance and sports and drama and computers and writing and and invariably we end our little time together with a hug. I'm just so proud of all of you who have grown up with us and I know how tough it is some days to look with hope and confidence on the months and years ahead. But I would like to tell you what I often told you when you were much younger. I like you just the way you are. And what's more, I'm so grateful to you for helping the children in your life to know that you'll do everything you can to keep them safe and to help them express their feelings in ways that will bring healing in many different neighborhoods. It's such a good feeling to know that we're lifelong friends. I am the supreme ruler of the neighborhood of make-believe. All will kneel before my... Oh, what kind of freaking king lives next to the train tracks? What is this, Mexico?